0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.
1: Well, author Emma Neal, uh, known very well, of course, for her novels and poetry, has put together a collection of short fiction. It's called *The Pink Jumpsuit*, and we're going to take an opportunity now on the Awesome Morning Show to catch up with Emma Neal. Maureen, good to have you with us.
0: Good morning, Jeff,
1: how are you? I'm very well this morning and I must say I've been dipping in and out of the pink jumpsuit over the last couple of days. so thank you for that opportunity. Uh, it's an exciting time, I guess to always be trying something a little new and uh, while the uh, process of writing is not new to you, the idea that you'd bring together a short fiction collection is a little newer. Uh, tell us about the catalyst for this, Emma.
0: Um, You're right, it is is new, because it's the first collection of short fiction I've written. Um, The Catalyst was probably um, multi-layered, actually. I um, had sort of started dabbling in flash fiction initially, but um, a few years ago I got approached to um, do a commission for Dave Loffrey, who used to work for the Otago Daily Times, and he asked if I could write um, a sort of summer serial for them, um, a two-part story and I initially thought, oh I actually don't really write short fiction, that's that's a little bit daunting, but then um, I guess I thought it would be a challenge and so I said yes to him and I wrote a short story that had to divide into two parts and that was a really interesting challenge because I had to think about where the first part would end and how that would still entice the reader to come back for more. Um, and that really started me kind of exploring short fiction more, basically. And then when I started editing Landfall, I was reading so much high-quality New Zealand short fiction that I think it became kind of inevitable that I wanted to sing along and um, and try the form because I started to realise how much potential there was in it.
1: Yeah, there, there, There's different approaches, aren't there? Of course, you, you, you can you have these competitions, a lot of them around the country from time to time, or opportunities for people to, to contribute, where, hey, here's a word limit, work to that. Mm. Uh, mm. And, and, and in others, at the constraints uh, aren't quite so specific. Um, mm. This connection brings uh, all sorts of different approaches to short fiction together.
0: That's right. There are very, very short pieces, which some people would call micro, where they're kind of, well, often they're shorter than 400 words. And then there are others that um, I wrote um, not really knowing what form they would be. In fact, the very first story in um, the collection was originally going to be a novel, and that's the one called the felia which is a, a term from um, Norse mythology, um, and it refers to a kind of animal spirit that um, accompanies or represents a person um, throughout their lifetime. Um and yeah, initially, I thought that was going to be a novel um and it had so many different strands that it became kind of overwhelming and I ended up um just dropping that idea, but realizing that there was a short story to salvage from it um and then there are other stories that came to me as um you know kind of what if an imaginary an imaginative exploration rather of a of a theme or um others that sprang from childhood memories that I then kind of i used as a almost like a, um, a stage set for something to develop into something much more surreal or speculative. Mm. Um, so the fiction yeah, moves between genre as well, um, which is something I really enjoyed about uh, using short fiction. Mm.
1: As a reader, uh, you, you do get a sense, and it might be wrong, uh, that, um, hey, this is dipping into something of the real, this is dipping into something of Emma Neill's experience, I think I can pick ones. which ones they are. Is that part of the intriguing process here? Is that, you know, you, 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 you want to be able to draw on, you know, on real life because it throws up all of these unexpected and wonderful and weird things, but you don't want to be so um, specific about it that you're not allowing some room for another story to develop.
0: Mm. Mm, that's a really interesting way of looking at it. I think... That approach actually began because of the commission that I got initially where I was writing to Deadline and I thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to kind of work really fast here. And um, the easiest thing to do initially was to draw on sort of vivid sensory childhood memory. Um, But then I found that um, my imagination wanted to go off on a completely different tangent after kind of initially grounding itself in... Um, you know, sensory details that would make the writing crisper and more alive for the reader. Um, And so I kind of took a shortcut, really, to get started by calling on my own experience. And then it was almost like my imagination kind of warmed up then, and I went off into what if, and, um, you know, kind of trying to explore enigmas or mysteries that um, were still resonant for me from childhood, but I sort of leapt from them into... Um almost science fiction sometimes um, yeah, so it's just it's really interesting the way the creative process does that, you know it kind of um it can surprise the writer as well
1: um, I mentioned yeah. dipping in and out of it as a reader. Um, have do you give that any thought as to as to whether someone I mean cause someone could easily pick up the pink jumpsuit and probably read it cover to cover quite quickly uh, I'm not sure what kind of experience that would be for a reader but mm-hmm. but yeah you know, do you imagine the process of reading do you think that stories need to be digested one by one would you prefer that someone picked it up read a story put it down thought about it for a while or are you happy with the idea that people just consume in whatever way they like
0: <laughs> um, I do put some thought into what the emotional resonance is of each story and what you might need to go into next, for example. So I wouldn't want, you know, a whole sort of train of dark stories one after the other, because I think if the reader is going from beginning to end, then occasionally they need a lift or some levity, you know, at the end of one story. Um, and so yeah, I do I do think about the order, but um, on the other hand, I think the idea of dipping in and out is quite attractive too and that's that's what I do in an anthology for example I don't always read it from from front cover to back cover but um, you know get lured in by a particular title Um, yeah so I like the fact that you can you can read it either way
1: I imagine the the process, especially if, if you're coming to short fiction uh, without an, a great deal of experience behind it in, in that genre, mm. um, is quite a challenging one. Uh, there's, particularly for the, the very short pieces, there would be a danger, would there not, that you try to overwrite?
0: Yes, there probably is, actually. Um, although one of the beauties of working in the short form is that you realise you can't go off onto all kinds of digressions, and you don't need to go into a whole lot of backstory for all the characters which you might need to do in a novel to make um, you know actions and events credible, so I think I learned a lot about um, how you don't have to give you don't have to give the reader everything you can leave something to imagination um, but I think the other thing about the short form is that some of those shorter pieces are closer to prose poems. Um, There's that kind of wonderful hybrid form, flash fiction or prose poetry, which, um, you know, they kind of shuttle back and forth between each other in a dialogue. And um, so sometimes the writing can be very lyrical and descriptive. um, But because it's kind of a short, intense capsule, um, it's like, you know, eating a (laughs) really rich chocolate. You can sort of savor it and then take a break and go on to something um, not so intense, perhaps.
1: Emma, is it likely that you've been bitten by the bug here, or are you finding it appealing to be writing short fiction, and are you likely to produce further work in this area?
0: I am, and it's actually kind of annoying, because I do have a novel which I'm trying to rewrite as well, and um, I feel like I'm kind of being unfaithful to it, because... I keep getting new ideas for short stories and thinking I'll just I'll just finish this one and then I'll get back to the novel and um yeah, I'm almost feeling like I need to try and, and quit the short story like quitting an addiction if I'm going to going to finish that other work. Um, so it is really enticing and I think that's partly because um you know, with, with stories you could you can leap from one genre to another, whereas in a novel you kind of have to sustain a particular dream or a particular note. Um I mean I suppose some postmodern experimentalists could argue with me about that but um, yeah the the beauty of a short story is that it is short and it's over and if you have another idea you know you can jump into that fairly quickly
1: Mm. Emma for many of us the COVID-19 pandemic has meant we've necessarily had to work in different ways what about for a writer does it has it impacted on the way you work
0: yes it has actually um and I'd have to sort of spend some time thinking about how, but I suppose the the biggest challenge for me has been that, you know, everyone has been home in my bubble, and I'm used to having um, at least the school hours completely silent here (laughs) to do both my... my, my income work, my, um, my editing and my writing. And so adjusting to the noise levels has been has been quite challenging for me. Um, at one point we had a physics lecturer Zooming, we had um, my youngest son on, on Zoom with his class, we had my eldest son back here from Wellington doing his jazz percussion course and we had me trying to work in my study. <laughs> so there was like jazz, university and school all going on in the same house. Um, and yeah that was that was pretty challenging at times. Um, I suppose but, the
1: other side of that is that that there's also um there's also stories being generated by this weird experience that we're having collectively across the world.
0: Mm, that's very true, and I think it makes you reflect on what really matters to you, and um I just have to well we all i think need to constantly practice gratitude for the things that we do have. Um, And I kept telling myself, you know, we're all safe here together at the moment and that's actually something to really treasure. Um, And I tried to see it as a chance to spend more time with my eldest son who we had thought had left home, (laughs) you know, but um, it was kind of actually a really strange blessing to have him need to return. Um, And, you know, those bonds between the people that you love, um, they're what really matter, aren't they? And getting a chance to be with them was actually a gift. Yeah,
1: Emma, you mentioned um, the encouragement of David Lockray to, to to dip your toes in this area. There must have been mm. other people along the way that have encouraged and facilitated the publishing of the Pink Jumpsuit.
0: Yes, there are. Um, there's the publisher Quentin Wilson, who's um, an independent publisher now based in Christchurch, who was incredibly supportive and has been very, I think, nimble and. Um, and calm throughout all kinds of challenges to do with the pandemic. Um, and the editor Jane Parkin, who was actually the person who edited my very first novel, and it was amazing to work with her again. Um, she's one of New Zealand's best, I think. Um, and I mean, I could I could make a really long list. My um, my family, of course, they're constantly supportive, and my husband often rereads and reads drafts for me, um, or sort of willingly submits to me reading them too. <laughs> Um, you know, so that I can catch glitches in the early drafts. Um,
1: I love the um, the cover image, Emma. Tell us about that.
0: Oh, excellent question. Yeah, that was um, by the local artist Sharon Singer, whose work I first encountered um, at an Otago Art Society exhibition that was done in conjunction with... Um, Otago University Press and I saw this small painting of a little kind of cubist horse in a coastal landscape and it was a tiny piece um, but it seemed to me like it was just kind of glowing like a gemstone in this whole um, huge exhibition held at the railway station. Um, And I wondered who it was by and I looked her up online and saw that she has um, quite an extensive career and I really felt really drawn in by the um fairy tale quality and the kind of surreal element to a lot of her work um and so I ended up approaching her to see if she could do a portfolio for landfall, which she did. She sent in some some wonderful work which we ended up um showcasing and I think that in the original portfolio that she sent in for that, this was one of the images um although it didn't appear in Landfall. And it's called Wanderlust, and it's for people who haven't seen it yet. It has a, a child in a kind of pink astronaut suit on what looks like a blasted landscape, and she's carrying and wearing um, other very various other strange packages. <laughs> um, and I found it bizarrely; it kind of triggered childhood memories, as well as um, as well as making me wonder about what kind of Science fiction scenario she was living in, and I found it just um, really—it was quite strange because it's a futuristic painting, but it also brought up all these kind of um, yeah childhood memories about my parents' relationship in particular, and I think that that's just a sign of how talented Sharon is because she manages to kind of tap into archetypes. At the same time as creating something very fresh and original um, and I was just kind of fascinated by it yeah so I wrote this hybrid form which is a sort of a mixture of essay and short story um, really um, which I think kind of responds to that the hybrid nature of the image as well um, but I really love it and it's had quite an interesting response from people that that painting.
1: Yeah, it's I've a very a, enticing it? image. It certainly encourages you to pick up the book, and hopefully, it'll encourage people also to purchase it, Emma. Where, <laughs> where can we find the pink jumpsuit?
0: Well, it is in all bookstores now. The books have um, finally been released from captivity because they were, you know, I think it was published on the day that we went into lockdown down here, and so they were sitting in limbo for a while. But now they're in all good bookstores, and also for people who prefer to order online. Um, they're available from nationwide book distributors. Um, so, yeah, I do hope people pick it up and get lost in it.
1: Emma Neill, thanks so much for taking some time to join us here on ORFM's awesome morning show.
0: Oh, thank you for your wonderful questions, Jeff. That was really, really stimulating. Thank you. Kia ora. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin, with support from New Zealand On the Air.